This is America on the Road, named best radio show by the International Automotive Media Conference, and now in its 27th year on the air. Thanks for being with us as we bring you the latest automotive information from around the world. If you're hoping the high prices for new and used cars and trucks will end soon, you might be disappointed. We have details from uh, new J.D. Power research on that, so look for that coming up in the show. There are also new details on the potential joint car-making venture that involves Honda and Sony. We'll tell you more about that. America on the Road is brought to you by Mercury Insurance and DrivingToday.com. If you're looking to save some money, you should switch to Mercury for your auto and home insurance. Californians save an average of $670 with Mercury, so imagine how much you could save. Get a quote today at DrivingToday.com slash auto insurance. That's DrivingToday.com slash auto hyphen insurance. I think you have to throw that hyphen in there. Hi, I'm Jack Red. With me is co-host Chris Teague. Chris lives at one end of the country. I live at the other. And each week we get together to talk about cars, the car industry. And uh, question for you, Chris, are you and your family ready for Flag Day coming up next week? I will be completely honest with you, Jack. I barely keep up with what day of the week it is. I was not aware that Flag Day is coming next week, but that's good to know. Uh, the last day of school is next Wednesday, though. So yeah, we're going to have a long Flag Day. Yeah, long Flag Day weekend, I think, because uh, Flag Day, I believe, is Tuesday of next week. So this coming weekend is Flag Day weekend. Oh, it, it's pr- day I learned. Yeah, probably doesn't mean a whole lot to you or, or pretty much anybody else. It's one of the lesser celebrated holidays, but it is Flag Day. Getting back to what we do on the show, really, and it's not talk about holidays, but it's talk about cars and. You have a very cool vehicle that you're going to be telling us about this week. I do, Jack. I spent the week with the uh, 2022 Ford Bronco. Um, a lot of fun with it. I had a little bit of weather to take the top down, so uh, no complaints here. Very good. Well, super cool. And I got a chance to drive a very cool vehicle, too, including off-road, which is something you might not expect from this vehicle. And it is the 2023 Toyota Sequoia, an all-new version. Yes, an all-new version of the Toyota Sequoia. Long time coming. First complete makeover in over a decade for that vehicle. We have some terrific interviews for you, too. Our special guests are Matt Linz and Paul Harmon. They're Mercedes-Benz product experts on the all-new 2023 C-Class sedan. I had a chance to drive the new C-Class in San Diego, and uh, I was extremely impressed with it. Very cool, and they'll have special insight because they're uh, behind the scenes with the car. So be before we have that, though, we'll give you some of the most important auto-related news from around the world. So stay with us. With Chris Teague, this is Jack Nerad, and we're so glad you're with us right here on America on the Road. Welcome back to America on the Road with Chris Teague, Jack Nerad with you, and we're so glad you're with us. We really appreciate you joining us here on America on the Road. It's news time, and uh, for people who are looking to buy a new or used car, I guess the news isn't all that good. <laughs> we have some news from... J.D. Power Valuation Services, David Paris, who we've interviewed on the show. He's their director of market intelligence, has put on some, well, I guess you'd call it market intelligence about what's going on in the car business. And the long and short of it is he's not looking for price release coming up very soon in the car business. Wholesale prices are up 21% year over year in May, and used uh, retail prices were up 14% in May. Uh... So that's not good. Uh, The big problem here is just reduced availability. It's not that the demand is so overwhelming. It's more that there just aren't cars out there. Uh, Of course, we lost a lot of production, new car production uh, to COVID. 
And uh, historically, uh, this has meant people turn to used cars, and there just aren't that many used cars out there these days being sold. This is uh, a, an interesting statistic. Chris and I uh, like you to comment on, on this and this whole thing. There are 40 to 50% fewer vehicles being sold through wholesale sales channels, so going into, into retail, uh, compared to 2019. I mean, <laughs> that's incredible, isn't it? Yeah, it's a, that's actually a striking statistic that I hadn't heard before, but it, it does make sense. And it's even more, it makes even more sense when you think about, uh, you know, people not being able to buy cars, so they're not then trading in cars or selling cars, they're holding on to them for as long as they can. Um, and as you mentioned, you know, this is unlikely to, to let up. So there's still lockdowns happening in various parts of the world where uh, parts are manufactured and uh, it's going to take a while for people to to actually buy new cars and then turn those into used cars down the road. So uh, I think we're looking at this, you know, as you say, it could be a while. Yeah, it looks like it's going to be well into next year. And in talking to the Toyota folks uh, last week, I was down in, in Texas at their headquarters, uh, U.S. headquarters, talking with a lot of their executives. And they're also looking to uh, this going on for quite some time. They say it might be the, uh, the end of 2023 uh, before this really lets up, uh, they're selling virtually every car they can build, and uh, the inventories at Toyota stores are very, very limited. Here's another telling uh, statistic here. The average used vehicle price sold in April was $31,300. Think of that. <laughs> that's, a, that's a pretty stiff price for a used car, don't you think? It's an average used car. Yeah, that's, <laughs> it's not a very promising sign. I gotta say, that's more than a lot of uh, a lot of brand new cars that I've owned in my life. Yeah, so we will see what happens. Uh, we can't, according to uh, David Paris, uh, we do not expect to see a dramatic reduction in automotive pricing throughout the year in 2022. So it's just the way it's going to be. Well, here's something new uh, on the Honda and Sony electric vehicle joint venture. They might put together a completely new company. And I'm wondering if they'd use either of those brands or brand that as something with yet a different brand uh, going forward. Uh, we had reported to you before about Honda and Sony getting together to develop uh, such a vehicle. In some ways, it, it's not as a big a deal as maybe I thought. And I think your analysis of it was probably a little better than mine, Chris. You were talking about the fact that Sony would develop the software and entertainment content for the vehicle and Honda would develop the vehicle. Uh, it looks like that's going to happen. What's your take on the fact, uh, on the potential of doing this as a, a separate joint venture? I think it works for both of them. If you look back at Sony, you know, the company teased or has shown off the prototypes of a couple of different EVs. Uh, they might want a clean break from that if they're not looking to produce a vehicle that looks like that, or if they want to ditch the perception that they are uh, slow or indecisive in making uh, making an EV. And for Honda, it's really interesting because this is this would be their second joint venture, right? Because they already partnered with GM uh, or will be on a line of affordable EVs, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, Honda's got its hands going in a few different directions. Yeah, it is kind of interesting, and I think when we talked a bit about this earlier on in an earlier show, I commented that I think maybe the bloom is off the rose of both of these companies, Honda and Sony, and I think they're they're looking for something to excite the consumer public about, and electrification seems to be a way to do this. 
I don't know whether they brand it. If they brand this vehicle as something other than Sony or Honda, um, I'm not sure that that's going to get that done <laughs> in a way. I think they'd like to rejuvenate the, the current brands that they have. I, I think a Sony car would be kind of an interesting uh, thing in the marketplace. What's your take on that? I think it would be, but if you want, if you're Sony, you're going to want your name on the car, and if you're Honda, you're going to want your name on the car. So uh, I guess it'll be just uh, depends on where the who flips the coin and wins the the heads or tails. Another thing going on with Honda is uh, globally, they hope to phase out internal combustion engine production totally. At least they've announced that by 2040, which is interesting. Um, they're also, uh, beyond that, they hope to transform themselves into a carbon neutral company by 2050. And it's interesting in talking, again, talking to the Toyota people last week, they also look to carbon neutrality, I think by the same date, but they're not going, they're very adamant about not eliminating internal combustion engines. So it's, to me, it's interesting that Honda, which, probably builds more internal combustion engines than any company in the world is looking to get rid of them um, in the face of, uh, I think, engineering that can prove that they can maybe go uh, different directions. Uh, how do you feel about that? Yeah, it is uh, It is surprising given, you know, where they're they're looking at, at going with that. But I don't know, for, for Honda, who they've been slow on the draw to begin with to go down this road. Uh, so, you know, maybe for them it's it's time to make that break. Uh, you look around at other automakers, despite the fact that many are saying they're all going to be or they're going all electric. Uh, there are some BMW is one of them. Uh, you know, Volkswagen's going to phase it out. But several, I would say some, not several, uh, that are going to continue making internal combustion engines for the foreseeable future. So um, it is kind of a surprising move from Honda. But, uh, you know, I can see why they might have made the decision. Yeah, it, it is interesting to me that Honda, which is known for engineering, uh, leading en edge engineering and always has been. That's really an engineering company in a lot of ways, more so than a, a car producer. Uh, at least that's the way I look at Honda, is relying on General Motors uh, as a key partner in this prologue electric compact crossover that it will introduce or that will be introduced. Uh, that strikes me as strange that they would uh, lean on that kind of engineering, engineering from another company. And then uh, they will have their own, beyond that, uh, they will have their own electric vehicle architecture and put vehicles on, on essentially on that roller skate going forward. So we'll, we'll see what unfolds on that score. It will. And as surprising as the GM partnership is, I really think it's going to help Honda get a leg up, I guess, or maybe catch up to the rest of the market. Maybe not a leg up, um, but I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what they turn out. Yeah. Well, it's interesting that GM has a lot of history. G I think a lot of people don't look at GM as very leading edge in terms of technology. But uh, in terms of electric vehicle technology, uh, General Motors has been in this game for a long time, since the uh, late 80s or early 90s. Uh, they spent a lot of time on electric vehicle technology, and I think they really haven't profited by it up till now, but I think they're looking to do that going forward. And uh, we might have a, a different view of General Motors in three, three to five years as they roll out their electrics. Uh, I can see that. You know, I think getting beyond the size of the GMC Hummer is a very impressive vehicle, and the pickup trucks that we're looking at coming out are, you know, the Silverado EV is going to be, I think a very impressive truck as well, uh, hopefully up to the standards of the, the F-150 Lightning. 
but you know, all of GM's brands are well on their way uh, towards this electrified future. And I think that the company has put its time in and the money definitely in. Um, so it's time to start seeing the products and, and the results. And I'm excited to see where it goes. Yeah, I am excited to see where it goes. I'm excited in terms of the products and uh, certainly the Hummer EV from uh, GMC is a very, very cool vehicle. I wish I had more time to spend in it, and I look forward to doing that going forward. But uh, uh, it will be interesting to see how all that unfolds. Well, when we come back, we'll be doing some road testing with the 2022 Ford Bronco and the 2023 Toyota Sequoia, all new for 2023. So stay with us for that. With Chris Teague, this is Jack D. Red, and thanks so much for being with us right here on America on the Road. Welcome back to America on the Road with Christine Jackie Red back with you. We're so glad you're with us. We love having you along for the ride, and we have some some fun rides for you, some some new stuff, some interesting stuff, some off-road stuff for you. Uh, Chris, you were driving the Ford Bronco, uh, I think the Badlands edition. Tell us about it. I was driving the Badlands edition, and you know, to harken back to our earlier conversation. You know, this is one of those vehicles that is still so hard to get that when somebody sees it driving down the road, it turns heads. And here in Maine, I think, you know, a lot of people love off-roading and everyone has lots of people. Not everyone have lifted pickup trucks and Jeeps. So the Badlands Bronco with the Sasquatch package on 35-inch tires with a bright red paint job definitely uh, caused some necks to snap here. But I digress. So the 2022... Well, and and let me dive in just for a second on that, Chris, because I was talking to the Mecham auction people yesterday at uh, the Motor Press Guild uh, Drive Day. Uh, They were a sponsor. And they talked specifically about Bronco and how brand new Broncos are going across uh, their auctions at $10,000 or $15,000 over sticker price. You know, people are just buying them and turning them. So... Uh, that absolutely indicates what you're talking about. Yeah, it's not uh, not a very promising sign when we're now, what, over a year out from the release and still still can't buy one on a dealer's lot. But uh, the 2022 Bronco is, is mechanically unchanged from the 2021 Bronco. Uh, Ford rolled out a couple of new colors and a, a new trim, which I'll talk about in a moment. Uh, later on, the Raptor version uh, will come. Jack, you may have had an opportunity to drive that recently. We'll have to talk about that at a later date. Um, but the base Bronco starts around $33,000. My Badlands trim started around forty-six, dollars plus some options, and it was a little bit more than $50,000 all in. Uh, you can have the Bronco with one of two engines. I tested it with a 2.3-liter turbocharged four-cylinder engine, uh, but you can get a 2.7-liter turbocharged, I should say, turbocharged 2.7-liter V6. Uh, the four-cylinder is pretty healthy on power output, though. Uh, with regular fuel, it runs 275 horsepower, 315 pound-feet of torque. Uh, if you want to run premium fuel, which at these prices not many of us do, uh, that's 300 horsepower and 325 pound-feet of torque. If you want to upgrade to the V6 on premium fuel, it gets 330 horsepower and 415 pound-feet of torque. Uh, when we talked about the Bronco last time around, I test drove uh, the two-door Bronco jack. This time around was the four-door Bronco with the hard top. And I want to stop here and get your opinion on the breakdown between the two. My wife thinks the two-door uh, is more traditional and looks better in terms of like a nostalgic feel, which I agree with. Uh, but a lot of people love the four-door for the practicality. What do you think? Well, I agree with all of them, right? <laughs> the four-door is the more practical of the two. There's certainly no doubt about that. But if you're looking to emulate the original Bronco, it's the two-door. 
I think for me, I would buy the four-door just for the practicality. And it also is a very cool-looking vehicle in a, in a bunch of different forms, whether it's a hard top or soft top. It, it uh, has some presence out there. I agree. You know, the, the I've tested a hard top model, which those uh, have been traditionally harder to find or longer wait times to receive than the soft tops. Uh, I think they may have gotten that problem straightened out. But um, with the weather change and the way it is here, I was able to take the top off. So the front part of the top comes off in two pieces and the, the back half or the back quarter, I should say, comes off in one large piece. Uh, I think that was really the only painful part of removing it. That second half of it is pretty heavy. Um, and I think, you know, if you're a single driver, that might be a little bit tough to get off on your own. Otherwise, uh, it's a very comfortable vehicle inside. This had uh, vinyl seats, Jack. They were water resistant, so you could wipe them down. Uh, the floorboards came with uh, drain plugs, so you could literally spray out the, the floor of the vehicle and uh, and not have puddles when you get into it the next time around. Like as I mentioned, the 2.3-liter four-cylinder engine uh, doesn't sound the best. It's not the beefiest-sounding engine. Obviously, it's a small four-cylinder engine, but uh, plenty of torque, plenty of power. Even with the larger four-door Bronco, uh, had no trouble accelerating around town. Uh, took it off into the woods a little bit, had no trouble in four-wheel drive climbing up a, a rutted road here uh, in an apple orchard down the street. Um, and really no issues all around at all, even on the highway. Uh, other than the sound, I think most people will be happy with the four-cylinder engine. It's cheaper, it's better on fuel. Uh, the V6 is more powerful. We talked about that last time around with the first edition model that I tested. Um, but again, I think the four-cylinder here, I would save the money and go for the four-cylinder if you uh, if you want a Bronco and you don't want to break the bank. Inside, as I mentioned, it's got vinyl seats. My tester um, came with the optional 12-inch touch touchscreen, although an 8-inch touchscreen is standard. Um, Ford Sync 4 infotainment is one of the better units on the, on the uh, market today, the infotainment. Uh, both units run Ford Sync 4 infotainment software, which is uh, very colorful, responsive, easy to use, and it's very quick. Uh, we talk about uh, some of the best software interfaces on the market. I think Ford probably has one of the top five along with uh, Stellantis with Uconnect. I think they're both very, very good uh, systems. Uh, the optional B&O stereo, man, I got to tell you with the top down, um, it really jams out. So um, no complaints with the stereo or the infotainment in this vehicle. Um, and again, Jack, it, it, you know, if you can find one of these, go for it. I think there's there's really no downside here other than the scarcity and maybe the fuel economy for the v6 other than that i think it's a it's a must drive if not a must buy yeah i think it's a terrific vehicle and uh, it has been a home run for ford and they're just struggling to uh, supply vehicles which is <laughs> a common theme across the industry well i was driving a vehicle that uh, a lot of people have been waiting a long time for some people have been waiting for more than a decade for it's the the all new yes i said all new 2023 toyota sequoia they're a three-row SUV, a full-size SUV that competes with things like the Chevrolet Tahoe, for example. Uh, and as I say, a lot of people have been waiting for this to arrive. I had the chance to drive it recently down in Texas, both on and off-road. And there was a, a serious part of off-roading uh, portion uh, to the drive that I will talk about a little bit later. But uh, it's the third generation of the Sequoia. Um, it has a twin-turbo V6 hybrid engine uh, powertrain, uh, which makes it uh, unique uh, in the industry. Uh, 437 horsepower, 583 pound-feet of torque from the iForce Max powertrain. So that is very, very strong standard power 
And not that's not only the standard power, that's the only power. If you want a, want a Sequoia, you're going to have that engine and the 10-speed transmission, automatic transmission that comes with it. And we would say you'd be very lucky to have all that. Um, this vehicle rides on the same platform as the Tundra pickup truck, the full-size pickup truck that was recently introduced. And the Global Land Cruiser, which the same platform as the Lexus LX. I also had a chance to sample that a little bit, and uh, I enjoyed that very much. And that has very good off-road chops as well. This is a, a well-done vehicle all the way around. Uh, the suspension is, is very, uh, allows for comfortable driving. There's load leveling, height control, air suspension available, adaptive variable suspension available for those who tow. I actually towed a giant uh, Airstream trailer with this thing as part of the testing. Good space in the third row for third row passengers. And this is one of the cool things about it, I, I think exclusive to the Sequoia, is the third row slides back and forward. Uh, there is not only an adjustable cargo shelf system behind it, which is cool, but it'll go back and forward six inches. So you can have more leg room or less leg room or whatever, depending on who's back there, depending on the, the size of the bodies back there. As I say, a lot of towing, they have up to towing 26% to 9,500 pounds of towing capacity. A lot of full-size SUVs tow. So this vehicle is absolutely where it should be in terms of competition with the other full-size body-on-frame SUVs. You've got to be excited about the Sequoia. How do you like about what you're hearing, Chris? Oh, I love it, Jack, and I like what I've seen, too. I like the styling updates. Uh, the interior is more upscale and premium. I, I like it all the way around. I can't, can't wait to get behind the wheel. Yeah. Inside, beautiful, too, and they have uh, a variety of grades out there. Uh, one of the, the most notable things is the 14-inch touchscreen that's available. It's actually standard equipment on most of the grades and uh, uh, available in the lowest, the SR5 grade. There are five trim, trim levels available, the SR5, the Limited, the Platinum, the TRD Pro, their off-road version that I had a chance to get really dirty. Uh, it was this bright orange col uh, color uh, when I started, and by the time I was done, it was mostly brown because uh, it had rained the day before, and uh, that was one messy off-road course. And then there is the new capstone grade. So this is a vehicle that is completely um, competitive with the full-size SUVs out there, something that uh, Sequoia was not up till now. It had just been left behind by uh, newer products, again, like the Chevy Tahoe and uh, Ford Expedition. And uh, I just like it a lot. I think they're going to do extremely well with this vehicle. Starts about $58,000. And I would suggest that maybe the SR5 version with proper uh, optioning is the best value out there because you get that powertrain. And then the capstone that I also drove was up around $76,000. Sounds like a lot of money. It is a lot of money, uh, but uh, super well equipped. So all in all, I, I think this is going to be a home run for Toyota. I think this puts them in a game that they had not been in up till now. And uh, so I think we've got two very, very cool vehicles uh, that we have talked about here. I think that are going to sell out, probably. The Bronco is already a sellout. I think the Sequoia is going to be in very strong demand going forward. What's your quick take on that, Chris? I agree. I think Toyota's done enough to make it competitive. And I think the updates look compelling for a wide variety of people. So good on them. Yeah, good stuff. 
Well, when we come back, we will have an interview with two experts on the Mercedes-Benz C-Class. So stay with us for that. Matt Linz and Paul Harmon will be with us. So stay with us for that. America on the Road is brought to you by Mercury Insurance and DrivingToday.com. If you're looking to save some money, you should switch to Mercury for your auto and home insurance. Californians save an average of $670 with Mercury. So imagine how much you could save. Get a quote today at DrivingToday.com slash auto insurance. That's DrivingToday.com slash auto hyphen insurance. And if you're looking to buy a new car, a used car, just care about cars, visit drivingtoday.com. And we'll be right back right here on America on the Road. Welcome back, everybody, to America on the Road. Jack Red with you. And we are outside Newport Beach, California, driving the new Mercedes-Benz C-Class with some experts on that vehicle, absolute experts, much more expert than I am on this vehicle at this point, although I expect to be expert, more expert on it uh, after about four hours of driving uh, this afternoon. Matt Linz is the product manager on the C-Class. Paul Harmon also with us is product manager for sedans for Mercedes-Benz. Uh, thanks to both of you for joining me. Give us the, the overall take on the C-Class. The C-Class is an important vehicle, certainly, for, for Mercedes. It's kind of absolutely bread and butter high-volume sedan. Tell us how important that is, would you, Matt? Yeah, so actually, just on that, in the past decade, the C-Class is the best-selling Mercedes-Benz in our lineup in the U.S., so it's an incredibly important car for us, um, and this new one just takes it to another level in terms of luxury and, and performance. It really does. I mean, just in the experience of driving this down here uh, from my home, actually, about 40 or 50 minutes, just the quality of the vehicle overall, I mean, the luxury of the vehicle, it makes you wonder, because this is toward the bottom of your line, uh, you know, how do you outclass this in, <laughs> in the E-class and the S-class and, and what you have up there? Is that something you consider? Uh, do you hold some stuff back from this vehicle that you want to have in the... Uh, Higher, higher trim or higher uh, models, rather. Yeah, so it, it does have a lot of similar features as like the S Class, for example. But the S Class is just another level of luxury. It has higher quality materials, um, and then it also has some more additional technology just to differentiate it at that the different price points. Right. Give us some sense. Uh, give our listeners some sense of what the C Class competes against. So uh, it's a very competitive segment. So the C-Class competes against the BMW 3 Series, uh, the Audi A4, the Lexus IS, um, and then the newcomer, the Genesis G70. Mm -hmm. Do you benchmark these other vehicles or do you let them take you as the benchmark? <laughs> um, I mean, I would, I would say we definitely look into the competition, but I, I think Mercedes kind of holds that benchmark. Mm -hmm. How would you say, uh, this is an all-new C-Class, very mm -hmm. important. And uh, an all-new C-Class, an all-new Mercedes-Benz model doesn't come around all that often. Um, you have to have in your mind that uh, this vehicle is not only going to c compete with cars that are out there now, but it's going to compete with newcomers that are going to come along the way. How do you deal with that? How do you anticipate what you should have in this vehicle? Yeah, so we try to have the most advanced technology at the, at the time that's available. Um, so in the hopes that, that we can be able to compete in, in the future. But additionally, so like in, in this specific generation, for example, it has over-the-air updates. Um, so we're able to, to uh, update new features and provide enhancements over the air um, to the head unit. 
in car let, features. Let, let me ask Paul this question. As a, a guy who is looking not just at C-Class, but the other sedans, tell us how this, or tell our listeners how this fits into the whole, whole schema uh, that you have at Mercedes-Benz, and then what seems logical to do uh, for C-Class versus some of the others? Sure. So looking at the overall sedan portfolio, the C-Class has always, like Matt said in the beginning, it's always been such an important one to, to our brand, to the entire portfolio. Uh, in the past, it was the entry in, into the Mercedes brand. Since then, we we now go to the A-Class, the, the CLA, those models are, are available. So this, this car had to kind of, let's say, grow up a little bit. So we had to make it a little bit bigger, take the technology. I'm, I'm happy to say that this car is a baby S-Class. You know, it's a, it's a smaller version of the S-Class, has that same driving experience. When you get into this car and you see the screen right in front of you, the instrument cluster, you look in the middle and you see the, the big center screen, I mean, it feels like you're in an S-Class. Yeah, and from a lot of ways too. I mean, it also, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm, I'm pretty sure this is right. It's a rear drive platform. Your smaller sedans are not, you know, this is, I think, the smallest of the rear drive uh, oriented sedans. How does that uh, figure into all of this? For us, it's the, the platform that's available. So, so we offer this in a rear-wheel drive and a formatic version. The rear-wheel drive uh, obviously being for the warmer weather markets, but not, not really anything specifically when it comes to, to the A-Class. That architecture is just a front-wheel drive. But how about front- driving dynamics? I think a, a lot of us who are enthusiasts would uh, you know, always prefer to have kind of a rear biased or rear drive biased uh, chassis to deal with. Tell us a bit about your thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean that that's always going to be the the best performing one is a rear wheel drive sedan. You know that that's what what a German sedan you know historically has always been. It's it's the best performance that we can get out of it. It has the best driving dynamics. So we're gonna keep going in that direction for as long as we can. Yeah. Let's, let's go back over to, uh, to Matt and, and, and talk about powertrain. Tell us about the powertrain in this vehicle. Pretty interesting powertrain, it is. right? So yep. t- tell us a, about it. So it's a two liter inline four, which is familiar. Um, so it is turbocharged, but then what's different about this one is that it's our first two liter four cylinder with the 48 volt mild hybrid system. That system will actually augment the, the gas engine and provide an additional 20 horsepower and 148 pound feet of torque for short periods. So uh, accelerating or, or merging into traffic, that that mild hybrid system will kick in and then it, it really helps to uh, avoid the turbo lag. That's pretty common with those. Yeah, engines. I mean, to the listener, they might hear that and go, well, uh, that doesn't seem like it would be all that Im- important or all that useful, but it turns out that it is it really, really is. useful, right? Yep. And and tell them why. So, um, and it it's also really good for efficiency. Um, so with a two liter four cylinder, typically there's turbo lag, um, which is when you put your foot on the accelerator to get moving, before the turbocharger kicks in, there's kind of uh, a lag. And then once that turbocharger kicks in, you get a jolt of power. Right, you have to get the exhaust Exhaust. gas spinning the turbo, which then compresses the air, and so there is a period of time period, a lag period before you get the torque that you need, and this fills in that. This system, exactly, it fills that in. So uh, there's no longer that lag, so you have power almost instantly from this mild hybrid system, um, and it really enhances the driving experience. So you're, you're not 
it's a smooth driving experience, but it also uh, that additional power helps with with actually performance driving. How does it help uh, you tune the vehicle? Because it probably does, right? It probably helps you for fuel efficiency mm -hmm. and um, you know maybe sticking in a gear longer. I, I don't know. Tell me about uh, you know what that might. Yeah, so it, it look it'll like. definitely help with the fuel efficiency. Um, you're not utilizing the engine as much to get the car going. So uh, we don't have EPA figures yet, but we do expect that it will be a significant improvement over the previous generation. And what is the overall uh, horsepower and torque uh, figure? Um, so we do separate the, the two. So we have the gas, which is 255 horsepower. The mild hybrid system does the 20 horsepower and 148 pound-feet for short periods. Yeah. And they're not precisely additive. I think sometimes people add them but, yes uh, but uh, that's that's why you're calling, because it's augment calling yeah, yeah. that out exactly and in both rear drive and uh, all-wheel drive configurations and tell us about the transmission and, and that too yeah so um the transmission is actually it's a new transmission and that mild hybrid system that i was just talking about is actually mated to the transmission um so it it's a smaller package so it's 30% smaller and lighter than the previous generation. Um, so just having those two mated together, it, it enhances the driving experience. Is it essentially in the transmission? Is it, is it say, take the place of the torque converter or something like that? Or how, do, how does that mesh? So this is our second generation of the mild hybrid of the integrated starter generator. So in the past, that they put the electrical motor that, that accomplishes this between the engine and the transmission. Now we built that electrical motor into the transmission itself. This really helps us from our modular platform being able to pair this with engines that we haven't been able to in the past. So not having that in-between electric motor really has opened up some opportunities for us. So is this the only powertrain for the United States? Is is the mild hybrid system, the four-cylinder with the mild hybrid? Uh, right now it is. Right now we offer the C300, but this is something that we are always right. exploring what exactly is available. And we'll probably see an AMG version that's... Uh, more powerful. Absolutely. Uh, coming, we coming we know that the, our, our counterparts there in Alfalterbach will come up with something exhilarating. Yes, they are so exhilarating. It's a lot of fun. Well, let's let's dive into the interior of this car because it's a fascinating interior. Uh, and, you know, maybe Matt, you want to you know, take this. I mean, the thing that almost assaults your eyes, but assaults in a good way, is the, the size of the infotainment screen that's uh, in the middle of the uh, the dashboard there, and not only wide but uh, tall, or tall and wide. Dive into that, would you? Yeah, so uh, it, it's really a, the great centerpiece of the car in the interior. Um, so it's an 11.9-inch display, which is a, a benchmark in the class, actually. Um, and it is no longer, it is now portrait-oriented, so that differs from the previous, which was landscape. Is it essentially square? Is 11.9 from all the dimensions, or is it? Uh, that's sorry. diagonal. Diagonal, Diagonal, 11.9, okay. okay. yep. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then in addition to that, it's actually tilted towards the driver, so reinforcing that driver dynamic of the new C-Class. Six degrees. Six it? degrees, yep. Yeah. yep. I heard that somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> that might seem silly, but there's science behind there, it, right? Talk, there is. Talk about so um, it really helps reduce glare. Um, so the driver always has, has great visibility on that screen. So especially if you have like the sunroof open or the windows open and the sun is coming in at the right angle, uh, that tilt towards the driver allows the driver to always be able to clearly see the display. Yeah. One thing uh, that became very clear to me during the drive was just how legible the screen is, 
how useful it is to have a screen that large for navigation, which is why maps aren't four by four, right? Yeah, <laughs> four yeah. inches by four inches, they're a lot bigger. If you guys remember maps, I certainly do. Yeah, so one of, uh, I think, my favorite features of the, the new display, the technology in it, is uh, we call it a zero layer. And what that does is it actually uses AI and it learns basically what you do. So, so artificial intelligence. Exactly, yeah, artificial intelligence. And so uh, if every day at, at 9 a.m. you listen to a particular radio station in the morning, um, and then... Uh, this at, radio station would be exactly, a, a good Exactly, there one. we go, <laughs> yeah. So if you listen to this station every, every morning, and then at night you call your wife at the same time as you're leaving from work, the system will learn that. And then you call your girlfriend another 15 <laughs> minutes later, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> the, the system will actually learn that, and it will um, provide you with those suggestions based on the time that that usually happens. Well, and I think that's got to be important, right? How much is too much information? The desire to, wow, we can do this and this and this and this. That will actually, based on what you typically do, it will always kind of learn that no matter what the application is. Talk about uh, instrumentation. And, you know, another big screen is right yeah. in front of the driver. Very, very cool. Configurable, I imagine. Yep, it is. I, you know, t so tell us about that. So that's a 12.3 inch display and it is very configurable. So you can have the full maps navigation and you can have that in your typical map or you can have it in a satellite map. Um, and then it, we also have a sport display. So it gives you the, the red clusters and you can see your horsepower and torque and it looks really cool and sporty. And then the last one is just kind of a minimalist display. So if you don't really, like I would say for night driving, this is probably the best. Uh, so if you just want your most- If you plan to sleep while you're most, driving, for example. <laughs> wouldn't recommend that. Uh, but your most important, just your speed basically and your, your fuel range. Um, and then that also will adjust the ambient lighting based on what you choose with that. What is your favorite feature? What is the feature where, wow, this is a home run. I, you know, this is so cool. We really got to have something here that others don't. Tell us your Yeah, so my personal favorite, I'm a huge music person. Um, so we have the uh, sound personalization feature with the Burmester sound system. And so what that does is in addition to your typical, just like adjustments that most cars have where you can adjust the bass, mid and treble, we actually can go through a, a setup process um, and you can fine tune everything like from individual instruments um, to different various settings. And it's a really in-depth way to really change the way that you hear your music. So I love that. I think that's such a cool feature to have. I mean, this used to be referred to as the baby bends. Mm -hmm. I think it's not necessarily the baby anymore. It's full-featured uh, luxury sedan. Very, very cool. And it co goes on sale when? This car will be on sale early next month. So the car starts at 43550 Uh Typically equipped is going to be less than fifty. What a what a value! Well, thanks to both of you, Matt Linz and Paul Harmon from Mercedes, uh, talking about the uh, C Class. Thanks so much. Yeah, thanks Appreciate for having it. us. Thanks. And stay with us, everybody. We'll be right back right here on America on the Road. Welcome back to America on the Road with Christine Jack Nered with you for listener question time. We love taking your listener questions, helping you out, because that's why we're here. That's what we're about here on America on the Road is helping people make good buying decisions, just good decisions if they can. And here's a question. I, I love to hear uh, Chris's thoughts on this. Now, this is from Emily in Muscle Shoals, Alabama. Emily says this, in one of your recent shows, you talked about catalytic converters being stolen a lot now. 
Are there things I can do to prevent this from happening to me? Oh, well, I would say that the very best thing you could do is park your car in a well-lit area. Um, if you have the ability to, if you have a home security system with a camera, that would be a great, great thing to do. You know, unfortunately, your car's catalytic converter isn't one of those things that you can go without. You know, I think, Jack, my best suggestion here, and, and you probably have a lot more than I do, is I think that parking your car in the most, uh, the best most observable area possible is the best thing you could do. Absolutely. Keeping your car, if you don't, uh, if you can avoid parking on the street, don't park on the street. If you can avoid parking in your driveway, park it in a garage, or if it's in a driveway, make it a well-lit driveway where it looks like somebody else's vehicle is a more enticing target to a thief. That's really what you want to do. It's like uh, the three people being chased by the bear. They don't have to outrun the bear so much as they have to outrun the other two people. And in this case, you want to uh, make your car less appealing to thieves, in this case, the catalytic converter thieves, but also car thieves in general. Uh, than other folks' cars. This is not to wish will on uh, ill on other folks, but uh, just taking care of your own stuff. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of uh, a lot of theft going on, and I don't see that that's going to change until some other measures take place as well. So it, it really is a mind blower. I was looking at the uh, the crime report in my local weekly paper, and about two thirds of the crimes in my uh, little local area here were catalytic converter thefts. So this is a major problem. It's really kind of amazing. But what is not a problem is being with Chris Teague right here on America on the Road. Thanks so much for being with us, Chris. We appreciate it. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks, Jack, for sitting alongside or across the country from me here. I will tell everyone, if you like what you heard and you want to take us with you wherever you go, you can find us on Apple Podcasts or uh, wherever you get your podcasts, as well as the SportsMapRadio.com webpage. You can find us on the Saturday morning schedule alongside uh, our formatted radio show as well. Right. Thanks to the SportsMap Radio Network stations for carrying America on the Road. And most of all, thanks to you for listening to America on the Road. As we say, you're the reason we're doing what we're doing. So join us again next week for another edition of America on the Road. America on the Road is brought to you by Mercury Insurance and drivingtoday.com. If you're looking to save some money, you should switch to Mercury for your auto and home insurance. Californians save an average of $670 with Mercury, so imagine how much you could save. Get a quote today at drivingtoday.com slash auto insurance. That's drivingtoday.com slash auto hyphen insurance. And if you're looking to buy a new car, a used car, just care about cars, visit drivingtoday.com. Drivingtoday.com is the official automotive website of America on the Road.